Hey, welcome back to the Inside Redemption podcast. My name is Luke Simmons. I'm part of the executive team of Redemption Arizona and one of the pastors at Redemption Church Gateway. And I'm excited to have you with us. This is a conversation uh, each month where we uh, invite you in kind of behind the scenes, give you an inside look at uh, who some people are in Redemption, what they're doing. And uh, we really just kind of believe that God's doing some interesting stuff here and uh, that there are some of you that would be interested in hearing about it. So today I have the privilege of introducing one of our newer pastors, um, but he's not new to ministry, uh, Sandy Mason. Hello. Sandy, welcome. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, man, it's awesome to have you here, and I'm so excited for people to get to know you. Um, We've known each other a little bit for, I don't know, we probably met seven or eight years ago. I got to speak at a men's event that you did that's right yeah and we knew each other a little bit but our paths have really kind of uh you know intersected in a much bigger way in the last year and so man i'm so excited that you're with us i'm delighted to serve this movement of redemption brothers so and it's fun to be with you i like you luke simmons (laughs) well that in itself is uh a gift not everybody kind of amazing that's That's true that's That's right i understand so sandy i don't remember if we have given you an official title but the way i always describe you to people is that you're kind of a pastor to our pastors and especially to our uh, lead pastors you have a long history of ministry and um, I just think it'll be fun to, for people to hear a little bit about that. So you joined our team, I guess, in the spring of 2021, exactly. somewhere in there. Yeah. And uh, and we can kind of trace back your history. But um, t- tell us a little bit, and we'll get into this maybe more at the end, but kind of what's your ministry right now in redemption, uh, just generally speaking, looking like? Yeah, it's like uh, it's like a coach, you know, it, mm. it's, it's just, uh, I, I don't have authority over people, so they feel a little safer with me. And uh, I'm not a spy for corporate. I'm just <laughs> a, a guy that's that's been there and has scars to share. I always think of that uh, scene in Jaws, you know, where they're sitting in the boat. and oh, I got this one from that <laughs> 52 shark. And, and, uh, and that's just what I, I want to come alongside men and women mm. in ministry and say, you're doing a high and holy calling and it's hard and it's worth it. And anything I can do to help you uh, be faithful to your call is a joy to me. So it's a great season in my life and uh, a great job description. Yeah. Awesome. So we'll get more into that, but before we do, I want to kind of just let people kind of get to know you and hear your story. So you're a native Arizona, native Arizona. I have Valley fever in me. brother. We all got it. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. So you're, uh, tell us kind of, where did you grow up? What was that? What was your home like growing up, family, that sort of thing? Yeah, mom and dad uh, met at ASU, so we got a long history with the Sun Devils. Uh, I went there. I have a son that went there. Met my wife there. Met Jesus there. And uh, yeah, native to Phoenix. Lived in Southern Cal from kindergarten to seventh grade, and that okay. was the, the '60s in Southern Cal, which was, if you're a sports person, I mean, that was the Lakers with Kareem and Magic. That was. Uh, UCLA and Wood. Well, and you have kind of a significant story there related to Sandy Koufax, right? Yeah, that's right. You know, this name, my my formal name is Sanford, my mom's maiden name. Okay. And uh, so my nickname was Sandy. So, you know, every year in elementary school, the teacher goes through the, you know, the roster and where's, where's Miss Sandy Mason? You know, and mm. a lot of guys would laugh. And, mm. and uh so then Koufax comes to the Dodgers, and he's this great picture, and he's Sandy Koufax, and all of a sudden I got one of the coolest names at school. You know? <laughs> That's awesome. And yeah. so moved back out here in kind of junior high time. Yeah, yeah. And um, you have some brothers? I'm right? the oldest of four boys. Yeah. Yeah. What was that like? Uh, 
in our home, I kind of had to become like the third parent. You know, we, mm. it was about four years between all of us. And uh, so when mom and dad would go do stuff, uh, I was always in charge. So even today, you can tell there's kind of the three younger ones have this history and chemistry together. And I'm kind of, oh, Sandy, you weren't there for that. Or you didn't know that, you know. <laughs> That's interesting. So, yeah. So what was kind of the, I don't know, what was the feel? What was the temperature? What was the kind of dynamic in your home growing up? Uh, active, I, I feel for mom, you know, five boys, men, you know, she never got to watch a cooking show or anything <laughs> like that, or romantic comedy. It was always action movies, Westerns, go to sports. She, she sat in a lot of bleachers. We all played sports. Okay. Uh, we, we learned later on and, and dad would be comfortable for me to tell you he's still around at 92. Uh, he was a functioning alcoholic. And so we, you know, that was when the whole family system stuff wasn't out. And so yeah. nobody could help counsel on what's going on. So you just thought everybody's dad didn't always come home for dinner. you know, mm. And everybody's dad was, had these emotional ups and downs. And sometimes it was the greatest home. You wanted all your friends to be there. And then there were other times when it was just mm. kind of a s- scary place. And, uh, sure. yeah, I actually developed a, a an ulcer in eighth grade because oh, wow. I just internalize all that stress and uh well yeah especially as that firstborn kind of almost third parent that's it that seems like that would be even more heightened by that dynamic with your dad exactly in fact I learned that's kind of you can kind of fall into these roles and the firstborn can be that hero savior that if he does everything right and hmm. that makes things copacetic maybe the home won't be so chaotic and uh yeah so you know the the Lord used that to make me a leader, but I had to work through the baggage and the grieve the loss of some childhood stuff because of that. Yeah. That, uh, was, you know, mm. kind of that stuff pops up in your 30s, you know, kind of mm. you, you get on with life in your 20s, you achieve, you get married, and all of a sudden the stuff starts coming up. Sure. So, so how did you said you met Jesus at ASU? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, did you grow up going to church? Was that kind of part of your well, upbringing yeah, at all? Or? Yeah, uh, got confirmed in the Lutheran Church. Mom took us, uh, went through, you know, confirmation, memorized the Lord's Prayer and the Apostles' Creed and books of the New Testament and that kind of stuff. But, I mean, if you had asked me, Luke, like, here's 100 careers, a uh, pastor would be 101. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, gosh, what? Because in our church, you had to wear a robe. Sure. You, you chanted the liturgy, so the pastors are up there going, hey, my father. Da, da. Yeah. And I was just like, this is weird. And then mm. what? He goes to the hospital and funerals. So it, it, yeah. why would a man have to do that job? <laughs> you know? But uh, the Lord got the last laugh on that one for sure. But yeah. So tell us about how you came to faith in college. So I, I'm at ASU. I'm president of the frat. I'm in student government. I'm a devil's advocate. I go around to high schools and tell them why you should go to ASU. And That's really know, what they call that. They call it the devil's advocate. <laughs> yeah, I should have saved a T-shirt or something. That's funny. Like, but uh, but I had this. I mean, so you're kind of a, I mean, ASU is a big place, but in your world of it, you were a bit of a big big man on campus, sort of. I mean, in, in my little, in your little, my world little Greek it. world. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. But uh, it, it was, you know who is the philosopher Pascal that said there's a God shaped vacuum in every man. I was, I was so aware that something was missing Mm. and it was connected to my masculinity. And 
and, and so fascinated with men that had courage and conviction. And I wanted that. I admired that. But I had no idea what is the source of that. When, when will I get, when will something matter to me so much that I could die for it? Because mm. what I had done to cope with my home was to create kind of this cool guy shield. Okay. So you didn't really know what I was feeling. I didn't really know what I was feeling, you know, but I was always just, just cool, you know, yep. and, you know, people like me, but you didn't really know who, who is that guy. I, cause I didn't know. Sure. And, uh, so I was looking for something, hoping there was, you know, someday mm. that was going to come together. And, uh, so it's a Sunday morning, um, hung over from too much fraternizing. I got my seven up and my salting crackers and the nerd of the frat comes in, Luke. I mean, he's just, there's nothing cool about Jeff. He's driving his dad, his granddad, Studebaker from Tucson. He's he's short, and he always wants to play basketball, so he's always the last <laughs> guy picked. His complexion is terrible. His voice is still changing, and he's a biology major, and he loves Jesus. So, But we kind of prided ourselves that we were the frat that pledged anybody so mm. <laughs> come on Jeff you're, he was you're, he was part of the anybody he was part of the anybody <laughs> so he comes into my room he starts talking about you know when you drink alcohol it kills these cells but these cells regenerate these cells will never be replaced but you have millions of them so yeah <laughs> normally I would sit Patterson get out of here but I kept listening then he said so Sandy if if you died today where would you be I thought you know I I bet it's a curve like my geography class. And mm. I'm probably I'm probably a C minus. There's guys here a lot worse than me, so I'm probably okay. And he looked at me and goes, Well, I know. Oh, well, how can you know? So he runs back to his room, he gets the four spiritual law, this little track, mm -hmm. sure. brings it back, you know, law one, God loves you, has a plan for your life. Man, I'm hoping that's true. Law two, sin has separated you from him. I'm laying in the midst of that reality. Law three Christ took your place. And I, I knew that information, you know, the Lutheran training. Yep. I knew the facts of the story of Christ. But it was the fourth one that you've got to personally do something about it. Hmm. That uh, it, it was like the room got thick for me. And I just had this sense of, I think I'm about to find what I've been looking for all my wow. life. And uh, you, you wouldn't want to pray this prayer, would you, Sam? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I do. And so we knelt right there in my bunk and said, up house. And uh, I said, Jesus, I... I want you to come in my life. I think I've been looking for you for a long time. And uh, for me, it was like those, whatever was supposed to get connected for a young man growing up in a home that didn't get connected. It's like Jesus grabbed those two poles and went. Uh, wow. And it's like the lights went finally to the top story. Huh. And, and I just, uh, I mean, I, I, it was like a baptism of the spirit for me. Mm. And uh, right away, right away. I mean, immediately I knew. And so I called my girlfriend, Margie, the general's daughter, RN student. Hey, Margie, uh, I don't know what this means, but I asked Jesus in my heart, and uh, something's happened. Yeah. And I think this could change things. Just want you to know. You know <laughs> long silence. She's asking her friends, do you know what he's talking about? Oh, it'll wear off. So then I called my mom and dad. That was back in the day when you had uh, – lines in the bedroom had a phone in the bedroom in the kitchen and sure so mom and dad watch each get on a phone so they're like oh right. my gosh he's something's you know, wrong something's wrong yeah mom and dad I, I just want you to know i've asked jesus in my life and something's happened and it, it might change what i do because i think 
following him is what I'm going to be all about. Yeah. Mom starts crying. Turns out the Lord had won her about two years before in a women's mm. Bible study. Wow. Dad's like, well, okay, don't you know, we're still looking at grad school, right? Don't let this screw up your plans now, you know. Yeah. So dad didn't get it. Called mm. my best best friend, John Lynch, who uh now is a preacher, author, speaker. Okay. But at the time was smoking a lot of dope off campus and like, Mason, <laughs> what do you what do you do that for? That's for losers. You don't need that, you know. The Lord got him. So, huh? Wow. Yeah. And so you mentioned Margie, who is now your wife, and uh, you you've told me a pretty, I think, interesting story about kind of uh, sharing about Jesus with her. So not just the phone call. Oh, right. But within a few days, you were yeah. kind of going, "Hey, you, maybe you need Jesus too." Right. And you mentioned, you know, just a moment I mean, ago, the I mean, general's I'm, daughter, and so that that's kind of an interesting dynamic. Can, can you share that story? Well, so I'm the president of the frat, and. Uh, I, t- I had a poster of Smoking Joe Frazier, this heavyweight boxer, on my the fr- on my door. Okay, I, I was I was rooting for Frazier to whip Ali. That was always my okay. guy. I take Joe down and I put. I didn't know any verses. I don't know where I found this. Ephesians five eighteen. Be not drunk with wine, but filled with the Spirit. <laughs> on the fraternity president's door. I okay. mean, that's I was just like I am all in for Jesus. Sure. And if you don't like it, and so Margie could pick up. So this, something's real something's here. Something's real here. She describes me as kind of floating across campus. Okay. <laughs> it's my head. We're clearly in the clouds. How long had you guys been dating at that point? Oh, about a year. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's starting to get starting yeah, to get serious. Starting to get serious. I'm a junior. She's a sophomore. And uh, so we we talk. You know, I, I want her to understand, but I don't know. All I know is the four laws. And so I Ephesians 518. Yeah, I found that one, you know, and. And she, so finally, it's like three in the morning. We're in her dorm room at PV Maine. She's a sorority girl. And uh, she takes her picture of her dad, who's a two star general. So it's a picture of him with all his regalia. He was in all three, he flew at the end of World War II, wow. Vietnam, and Korea. Okay. Or Korea and then Vietnam. Led a base in Vietnam. First 100 missions over Korea. I have a picture of him on Newsweek magazine. Oh, wow. Colonel Hansen, first hundred missions over. It's on the cover of Newsweek. So big she, deal. Big deal. So she says to me, so you're telling me this man, he doesn't pray to receive Jesus like you did. You go to heaven and he doesn't. <laughs> that was a great that, subtext because yeah. he's definitely better than you. There you go. That song was so clear. And, uh, I just, by the grace of God, all I said was, I'm not saying that, but I think that's what the Bible says. Huh. And right in front of my eyes, she just melted. Wow. And she's strong and she had fire in her eyes. You know, you're screwing up everything with this religious talk. And all of a sudden, she just melts and says, Wow. Well, how do I become a Christian? Girl, I've been telling you for three days. Have you not been listening? Just <laughs> yeah. here's this track. Three, this is, three whole days. <laughs> right? Just pray this prayer. I've been showing you. Just pray that prayer. Let's go. <laughs> and uh she gave her heart to christ and we uh the next day we went to the bookstore and said you don't sell bibles here do you and uh huh. found a couple paperback the uh, living bible translations and okay we were off and running man. off and running yeah so now 45 years of marriage wow yeah good for you but that's the, the fact that we started in christ together it's been a great gift yeah that's marriage. awesome yeah. so you mentioned earlier right 100 a list 100 jobs 
pastors right. 101 right did that did that get on your radar quickly after coming to faith no. or was it just more like no i'm just gonna follow jesus and do other stuff and so now i'm, I'm a senior and words kind of gotten out oh sandy's one of them christian guys so there's a gal in my history class i'm taking this history class she goes you know this guy up we're here larry he's kind of like what you're into now you got to talk to him it's something called young life or something so. okay so I meet Larry Anderson, and uh, Larry's leading Young Life at Chaparral High School. Okay. And uh, we meet, and he says, you want to help me reach high school kids for Christ? And Yeah. So uh, so I started doing Young Life and loved it, and that's where God began to stir up the desire to know the Word. And Yeah. When I I grew up a little bit in Young Life, and I've always loved the right. description that people give of Young Life. Some, someone once told me, you know, Young Life is, is trying to create Christian groups for non-Christians in high schools. Right. You know, that's yeah. kind of what it is. And yeah. it's, you know, opportunities to expose people to Jesus. And there's always opportunities for people to go deeper. Yeah. So you were helping lead some of that and do yeah. some of that. So the, and then were, it, while you were still in college. Right. So uh, I, I did that. Margie and I uh, got married, graduated in 75. We got married in 76. So that year, while I was waiting for her to finish, I was doing Young Life and doing financial planning. Okay. Pursuing that. Nice. Deal. Yeah. And, uh, How long did you do that before you thought, okay, maybe I want to yeah. pursue more of a... Margie, I think, felt a little bait and switch. She thought okay. she married a financial planner, pre-law guy. Okay. And I, I'm i doing this young life stuff, and I'm just loving it. And she's working the 3 to 11 shift at a downtown hospital here in Phoenix because she's okay. new. And so I had these evenings alone to pray and think and read, and there's just this growing interest. So I said, Margie, what... Could we just go try seminary? I'll probably fail Greek or something, you know. <laughs> Could we just go try it? And she's like, "Yeah, I can see God's been doing something in you." So it was shortly, you know, we hadn't been married that long, and uh, I find myself backing up a little tiny U-Haul behind her little four-cylinder car. Driving and at that time, were you kind of because I think some people get into seminary thinking I'm doing this as kind of a step in a career path. I mean, I hope everyone who's going to seminary wants to learn also, right? But some people yeah. are going, you know, I'm going to learn as I develop toward being a pastor. Other people, yeah. they get into seminary just going, I just want to have a deeper understanding. I want to learn some Bible, some theology, some yeah. church history. And I, yeah, that were was you me. In, yeah, I knew I didn't know Jack. Okay. I mean, you know. So the, you weren't necessarily getting into it thinking, this will lead me in a new career path. Well, it oh, could. Yeah, yeah, I was. I was thinking, Margie, we, we may be in ministry. Okay. And she had let me know. The first time I asked her that, she said, you know, I'm not a pastor's wife. I don't play the piano, and uh, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm not that person. So just don't get any ideas. So <laughs> that's why when I finally said to her, could we go try seminary, I was ready for her to say no way. But yeah. it was sweet to see God had kind of helped her see. And so going to try seminary took you where? Uh, we, we applied around the West, and uh, Dallas Seminary is where I was going to Scottsdale Bible, where the pastors were from there, and accepted me so and was that a good experience great experience yeah we had a great time lived in the suburbs there and made some fun great friends and i yeah i just i ate it up huh. i ate it up i was so hungry to understand and worked as a youth pastor in a methodist church which was really good so all the dallas guys were at the the uh you know official bible churches Okay. Try, trying to hope they could teach third grade by their junior year. Uh -huh. And I'm at a Methodist church, and I'm getting to preach and lead retreats and okay. have a blast. So, so getting some ministry experience, doing yeah. school. Is right. Margie nursing during that time? Yeah. 
Okay. But then she uh, is pregnant with our first. Okay. So now we're learning to live by faith, man. <laughs> and uh, that was a great lesson time, you know, where we, there was one morning we'd paid all the bills we had and uh, we had no cash left. And I didn't get another check till Thursday. This was Sunday night. So Margie says, honey, we, so our first was, oh, we got to call the folks, you know, call the folks, tell them we need some money to eat. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I was so full of all this Bible and great speakers and uh, honey, I, this is, a, let's just tell God, let's not tell anybody but God and see what happens. You know, mm -hmm. I've heard those, those sure. missionary stories and she's like, okay, I'll give it 24 <laughs> hours. So, uh, we did, we just prayed, God, we're, we're out of money. We know you love us. And no kidding, you guys, I go to the, my mailbox on Monday at school and there's an envelope with enough cash for milk, bread, and some gas, just wow. perfect for the week. And wow. no name, just, I mean, yeah, it was just clearly the Lord saying, yeah, let me show you what mm. that I see. So, wow. That, what a faith building experience. Oh, it was. Well, I love that because so, I feel like, you know, seminary itself can be real heady. Yes. You know, but I love that even at that point it sort of translated into your life and your faith and, yeah. you know, building really those muscles of faith. And it, it strikes me even, you know, as I've gotten to know you, you're a very faith-filled person. Like, I don't know if that would be one of your top spiritual gifts. It mm. seems to me like it would be. Mm. Like, you just have a real sense of, like, God's got this mm. about you. I think it's partly why I find you and a lot of people find you to be so encouraging. Oh, good. And it's interesting how... You know, the Lord maybe use experiences like that younger in your faith yeah. to build some of those muscles. Yeah. yeah, I think that's right, Luke. Yeah. yeah. So you finished at Dallas and then came back to Phoenix, right? Came back to Phoenix, youth pastor over at Trinity Bible on the west side. Uh, always had a hunch, though, that I, I wanted to preach okay. and lead. And uh, then I was associate pastor over at Camelback for about three years and uh, got asked to be the senior guy. Okay. Former guy retired and... Uh, it just, they were... Uh, and you were in your 30s at that point then, probably? Who, who's listening to this again? I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it was it was just philosophically not going to be a good fit. Okay. So I took I took the job for about two weeks and turned around and told the search committee, you know, I just can't sleep. This is wow. me. And, uh, so That's the, amazing. The, so took the job and then took untook the job, the job. And two weeks later, I called the chairman of the board and he was like, oh, then you better go. <laughs> You know, we're not, I don't want to keep you around as the associate. We're going to go get the second guy we picked and uh, you need to go. So hmm. uh, we blew out east and took my first senior pastor in central Pennsylvania at an evangelical free church. So that's a big shift. Oh, man. Arizona guy. But I was Even all Texas is kind of west ish. Yeah, right. And then you're going in the kind of Amish country, right? Central Pennsylvania. Yeah, it was. It's it was How, right mean, by Harrisburg, which is the capital. But yeah. was that like, hey, this experience at Camelback was so humiliating, taking the job, not taking the job, I just got to get out of here? Or, well, or what, what was it that took you there was way a, over there? Uh, the adventure of it. Okay. Uh, and I wanted to live where trees turn leaves turn colors and fell and there was snow i mean the whole idea of seasons you yeah, know you've never had that never had that you know watch the charlie brown special and never <laughs> understood what are they playing in the leaves what's that snow about so uh i was all excited but oh man we're going deep here into my journey uh margie's crying in the interviewing process one night we're at the elder's house out in pennsylvania and uh, i'm like yeah they look how great look at the rolling hills and the farms and we can pick berries with the kids and it's gonna snow and we're gonna make snowmen and you know i'm just 
romanticized mm-hmm. to the max. And she says, you know, I'm sure you could have a great ministry here, but uh, culturally, we don't fit. Mm. Oh, they love football. You know, they love God. Well, and uh, yeah, she was right. It was a, a big cultural misfit. And uh, so that warning light was blinking in her. In yes, her. it was blinking her. And but I, uh, I just blew it you off. You kept driving. Yeah, I just kept driving. So, uh, and then at what point did you sort of go, eh, you know what? She's right. Yeah. I had a I had a friend from here, a pastor, mentor, Norm Wakefield. I said, Norm, I, would you come do our men's retreat? But I want you to see if is there is there some legalism here that I missed that Margie's picking up, or we just need to get tough and yeah, you know. And uh, he came out and uh, did the retreat. I'll never forget that Sunday afternoon in our home, and he sits there and he says, uh, "So Margie, tell me about your experience." And she just breaks into tears. Mm. Pours out this is heart. now a couple years in, right? Yeah, a couple years in. And, uh, you know, just, oh, you know, because I just, I didn't want to hear it, you know. Hey, we got to tough this out. And, uh, you know, you're just not used to being a pastor's wife. You'll, you'll, you'll get it. You'll get your legs. Come on. And, and, uh, and he, he listened to her, heard, shared what he observed about the culture, affirmed that, yeah, there's some real legal stuff here i mean we we got judged by the cars we drove the house we bought uh, the clothes we I mean, well you're an outsider in yeah, a in yeah. a culture that really values yeah history and family and right where you're from and, and this I is knew your grandparents and yeah you're supposed to get a ford aerostar not a chevy suburban that's okay the rich people buy you know and yeah what everybody has a suburban out in arizona right <laughs> but norm looked at me and goes you know i think god wants you to love your wife first Mm. and then do your ministry and uh it, it was one of those moments i'll never forget it was kind of a sledgehammer it was it just you know and i got it okay god so uh, so if you um i mean i get the sense like if you had to do over again you wouldn't have done you wouldn't have taken that role based on margie's red flags so yeah, what, yeah, what was know. it as you kind of reflect now what was going on you you talked about you yeah. know earlier you know in your thirties, you kind of had to realize some stuff. Right. I'm guessing this is some of that. That's it. What, See, is, it, what was going on? Yeah, I, in the, you that Sandy, the you go, performer you know pleaser. I mean, I'm going. You know, I'm going to make this work, and we're going to grow this church, and they're going to like me, and I'm going to win this community over. And uh, it, it was yeah, tapping all some of that unhealthy stuff. Yeah. So you say, yeah, would I've not gone there? You know that that's where you love the sovereignty of God. Mm. You know, that if I hadn't gotten in that hard place with Margie, would I have faced some of that stuff? Yeah. I might not have. If everything had been swimmingly. Sure. We we may have just rocked along and I wouldn't have yeah. faced some of that junk I need to face. So Yeah. I, my point, I think, was more like, uh, you know, if someone came to you and said, hey, I'm, I think think about taking this job and my wife's crying through the whole interview process, you'd yeah. go, hey, buddy, uh, don't do that. Yeah, listen, <laughs> right? I, that's right. But in hindsight, you go, but I'm thankful for how the Lord used there you go. some of my folly to alert me to some other stuff. Yes, and, exactly. Um, and it didn't all get better right away no, out there. No, we uh, we thought, well, should we leave? Should I work my network, get another job? And uh, I remember we were visiting family here in the valley and uh, we're walking at that that mall over twenty fourth and Camelback, what for town and country or something, just walking around looking at windows and 
and praying and mm -hmm. said, uh, okay, God, we're just, we're going to leave with you. We'll stay here as long. Cause now we were back together. Now she felt like, okay, you hear me, you get it. I'm not making this stuff up. Yep. You know, there's, there's something unhealthy in the water, but uh, you know, now but we can get through it. Cause we we're together. It, now we're together. Yeah. And, uh, it was about a year and a half later, the opportunity in Baltimore, Grace Fellowship, opened up. Okay. We had a great time there for about nine years. So you were in Pennsylvania, moved to Baltimore. Yeah. What was uh, what was that ministry like? So you were the senior pastor at that church yeah. in Baltimore. Followed the founders. Uh, uh, there was a ministry called Search Ministries. I think Search is still going. But, okay. Uh, back in probably in the 80s, they would uh, – it was an – outreach ministry to professionals, to athletes particularly. In fact, Larry Moody, the founder of Search, had a huge ministry with the, the professional golfers, okay. a lot of guys to Christ. And so they had a big impact with the Colts at that time in Baltimore, had a Bible study, guys were coming to faith. So they wanted a church that they could send these folks to. And a lot of the churches were mired in you know tradition and denominationalism that was kind of choking the life out of them. And so okay. they, uh, they started a church. And uh, it was meeting uh, in a school. And Baltimore's like a lot of those big eastern cities, has a beltway, and they were right on the beltway. And then they bought a, got a Levitt's warehouse they remodeled. So I came as they were getting ready to move into the Levitt's warehouse. So I had about a year with them in the school. Okay. Then we went to the warehouse and uh, built it out. And, uh, and that sounds like the kind of thing that would grow pretty fast. It did, yeah, it did, because was, there was a need for an evangelical church that uh, was grace-based. Yeah. And uh, the location was great. We were right at the north-south freeway in the Beltway. And yeah. So, yeah, it grew fast. What's it like uh, What's it like to be a relatively young pastor of a fast, big, growing church? Yeah. It's, what, what's the blessing of that? What's yeah. the challenge of that? Yeah. The fun of it is just, you know, it, it, it's just heady, fun stuff. Uh, Eugene Peterson is always, uh, you know, been kind of a prophet. And uh, he says, you know, the three great temptations of ministry is, uh, you know, sex and uh, what's out, drugs, alcohol, and then uh, crowds, hmm. where some people would say money. He said crowds. He huh. goes, uh, it's so seductive. Yeah. And it, uh, and I think that's what you see happening. You get in a flat, fast-growing church, and all of a sudden, People are wanting to come ask you, how'd you do it? And would you speak here? And, you know, and mm. uh, you don't want to believe your own press clippings. It can be, uh, but what it, the, the downside too, is it, it exposes for me, exposed some leadership inadequacies mm. that I wasn't uh, like, what do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, in essence, it was, it, it threw me back. Uh, the pace and the demands and some strong personalities threw me back into that guy that was tired of leading. I'm always in charge. I was in charge at home. Every team, I'm the captain. I'm just, I'm always in charge. I want to be one of the guys. You mm -hmm. guys can run this thing. Yeah. Well, they did. And I kind of give away the chips to some guys that I shouldn't have given the chips to. Mm. And uh, recognize I, I went to... Uh, Went to some therapy for that. Okay. Uh, my marriage, everything. I just felt like I'm just hitting the ceiling. I'm just not. Yeah. I'm stuck. And uh, there was a, a burned out pastor that had become a pastoral counselor that was in our church. And I met with Jim. And uh, 
he it was so good we just walked met waited on god to speak and uh the lord said yeah you're, you keep wanting to jump in the back seat with the the boys and you need to be who God made you to be. Mm. And uh, so we, that's an interesting thing. Cause I feel like yeah. there's such a, uh, right now, you know, for a lot of appropriate reasons, right? Like a lot of people have been sort of run over by domineering leaders. Yeah. Uh, people who couldn't sit in the back seat if they had to, <laughs> right. you know? <laughs> right. And, uh, yeah. And you go, man, we, we need more pastors who are willing to sit in the back seat. On the other hand, you know, you're going like, I'm willing to do that. Like I want my heart to be humble enough there. Yeah. But you know, if you aren't doing what God's really made you to do, that's not good either. Right. And so that's an interesting thing to go. Like you have to sometimes have the um, humility to say, no, I don't have to be in charge. And also the humility to kind of accept who God's made you to be. Right. Yeah. I know exactly what you're saying. That I always took that as a compliment. People would say, you're not the typical, you know, big mega church pastor kind of, personality which was nice to hear but sure. i knew yeah and that's been my, my biggest challenge is to step up and be who god's called me to be mm. he's equipped me to be yeah and 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 uh and so so a couple so a couple opportunities a couple you know a decade plus of ministry in the east coast yeah and then uh what brought you back to arizona uh scottsdale bible bought some acreage up on carefree highway in the north part of the valley and uh, Daryl Deluse calls me up. I was actually going away on a prayer retreat, packing my bag to go away for two, three days just to seek the Lord about stuff. And he says, would you pray about planting a church? And I was in, you know, mid-40s and big church. And no, I don't plant churches. That's what, young. Know, go find a Luke Simmons. Get him to do it. <laughs> you know, he doesn't know any better. Right. And, uh, man, God just began to make that clear, Luke, that uh, this is what I'm doing. And uh, so... And that was a pretty interesting, I mean, at that point, they had started buying land for churches that they hadn't planted yet. Yeah. They bought but that was kind of the idea, right? It and, was. Uh, I don't know how many down the line it got, but you were their first, really, right? Yeah. And and the last that got, you know, big acreage in that. In fact, yeah, after I did that, they decided to put money behind guys starting more storefront kind of startup okay. deals. Cause it, yeah. So, like, when I, when I church planted, we were talking a little bit before we started recording, you know, we started at a ballroom at one of the asu campuses and yeah. then moved to a high school and then ended up in a lease space and you right. know that's more of kind of a typical journey of sorts you had a pretty different deal like you yeah. showed up to plant this church you didn't have people right but you had a property right yeah i, I, I would think that's both I, great and and <laughs> creates his own set of challenges yeah I mean, the, the great part, that's why I don't speak at church planning conferences because I was spoiled, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a church will call you, they'll pay your salary, and they'll buy 40 acres, and they'll help you build your building. Well, you know, just, right, that's that, church that was, planning Disneyland right there. Right. So we were in a school for uh, two years while we're building this church for a congregation that doesn't exist yet. So that was, we call it the spec church, you know. Okay. We can always sell it, right, if nobody comes. But. So literally building a, building out a campus while you're kind of just getting the church started. Exactly. That's yeah. wild. It was wild. Had you known anyone who had done anything like that? No. It's interesting now because some of the multi-site, like the video multi-site yeah. campuses, you know, around uh, around the valley, in particular Sun Valley Community Church will do this. Yeah. Central Christian's done it. I think CCV's done it where, you know, they'll build out a campus before they start a campus there. Right. But there's at least kind of some proven track record and, Right, you know, whatever. That's a, but that's a, that's a really different thing. So yeah, 
So you you're building this building this core. Probably a lot of people from Scottsdale Bible who lived up in that yes, north part. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, what was it like to plant a church versus to kind of inherit a church? Well, the the two churches where I'd been a senior pastor, I followed the founder. Okay. And you see how that founder has huge influence for good and for ill. I mean, his his values, his personality leaves a mark on the place. And uh, I thought, you know, instead of fixing somebody else's dysfunction, I'll just create my own. At least I'll understand <laughs> it better. So uh, it was it, it. That was the great thing, Luke. At that time in my life, I'm in my mid forties, and I feel like, okay, I really know what I'm good at, what I'm not good at. I, I really know what's important to me in ministry. And so it, it was really exciting. Like mm-hmm. one of the things I knew, I, I love being with men. I yep. love guys. I'm going to make being with guys a, a core thing for this church. And uh, that turned out to be a, you know, a great thing. Sure. And, and just an example of something that I wanted from the beginning. So we started having men's retreats early on. And yep and stuff together well that's cool even just your you know you were talking about before you were a christian this sense of like i want to i feel this kind of gap in my masculinity yeah i want to be courageous i want to have conviction right the lord gave you that and then over time helped you see like okay that's a conviction i would say that's been a significant mark of your yeah of your ministry is just an investment in men discipling men yeah um you know that's how you and i met right at a men's thing right um yeah and i think like you know when i planted I was 29 years old, very much still very figuring out who am I, who am I as a leader? What yeah. are my strengths? What am yeah. I, it would be a totally different thing now in my forties planting a church. Right. You know, uh, I think there's some things I'd do differently. And so you had the chance to do that. I did. It's kind of fun. Yeah, it did. It gave me, gave you confidence to say no. Cause there's always, you remember the huge pressure. When are you going to start this mom's group? When are you going to start, you know, mm-hmm. this kid's thing Wednesday, when are you going to start the youth deal? And, uh, as a young guy, you can kind of feel like, oh, we better get these things going so they'll come. Yeah. And uh, at that point, I just knew, no, we're going we're gonna to crawl, then we'll walk, then we'll run. Yep. Probably won't do anything like that for three years. So if, if you can't wait, it's okay. But yeah. that's what we're going to do. So what was it like for Margie? Because you talked about, you know, her being in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Kind of having to live up to all these unrealistic expectations. Yeah. You know, she didn't really want to be a pastor's wife anyway. Right. But now here you are and you're starting your own thing and, you know, yeah. she doesn't have to fit any pre-existing mold. No. And what I, was that like for her? Well, and we we, we told Scottsdale Bible, you know, she's going to kind of be my right-hand person. Her gifts are in leadership, administration, and teaching. So it complemented my relational stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I could say we're to take that hill and she'd say, well, then we got to do A, B, C to get there. Mm. And so it was, a, it was a really healthy partnership that we had. And, uh, and she's a really gifted Bible teacher also. Yeah. Right? And she, she, was she doing that in the early days or yeah, is that something that emerged in, later? In every church we were in, she always launched a Bible study. She loves to teach women how to study the Bible for themselves. That's her big thing is I want to, want to equip you so you can feed yourself and equip mm-hmm. others. So yeah, she's done that at all the churches, even when we were at associate level, she okay. was doing that. And so she had a strong, uh, women's study at Baltimore. And so, uh, she launched one at Desert View that, yeah, grew and was was a wonderful gift to the church. Mm. Yeah, great outreach to it. I think she had like women from thirty different churches coming when wow. we were at its high water point there at Desert View. So yeah, Desert View was the church you planted. Yeah, and I just I, I I don't know. There's something about that that I think is so cool because I think 
if if someone only heard about your kind of heart for men, right? Like yeah. I think I think we're familiar in these days with churches that are all about reaching men, reaching men, reaching men, and it's kind of like women are at best forgotten. They are often. They are. It's worse that they're yeah. neglected or yeah. abused or overrun or yeah. whatever. And and I think you know, I mean, when you kind of those last few years of your ministry, she was, you know, Margie was like the chief of staff yes, at your church. Exactly. So high level leader, high level, um, you know, high influence. And so yeah. I, I love that there's kind of this mixture of you're totally comfortable challenging men to be men and developing kind of men's, you know, stuff while also saying, and that doesn't mean women don't lead. Absolutely brother. Yeah. And that, you know, that's always been our conviction that the gifts, the list of gifts, there aren't, male and female gifts there's definitely things that men do and bring and provide and protect that are different than what women do but the, the gifts are the gifts and yeah. i think that's something uh we could all grow in as evangelicals is uh honoring those gifts that women have and supporting and encouraging them yeah i know that's your heart too so. well what would be some other uh so how, how long were you at desert view 18 years 18 years yeah okay. So investment in men was a big other kind of hallmarks like like if people were kind of around your ministry for those decades they'd go you know what this when you when you slice sandy this is the kind of stuff that comes out of them oh thanks brother yeah i we, we started right away a prayer gathering mm. uh and so once a month we had an evening prayer deal and it would you know there'd be high times and low times in that but it 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 taught people how to pray. So even like in the service on Sunday morning, a lot of times I I would just we'd stop and uh, where I would pray for the congregation. Maybe we'd say, hey, "I want all the single moms to take a seat. We're going to lay hands and pray for you and mm -hmm. all that you're up against." And uh, so we were always modeling prayer so people got comfortable praying. Yeah. So that if you came to Desert View for a while, if someone said, "Hey, would you pray?" It wouldn't freak you out. You'd seen how people pray you understood you believed in it we saw god answer prayer in mm. wonderful sometimes miraculous ways so, yeah so that was one of our core values was we wanted to be a praying people it, you know there was that line of jesus uh my house should be called a house of prayer huh yeah you know, sure not a house of worship not a house of preaching house of prayer and i thought man so often on Sunday morning, I can make prayer just something I do as a transition between me and the band. I mean, right. that's awful. Yeah. So I, I got just convicted of my own mm. lack of uh, priority of prayer. And, and that was one of those things I thought, boy, we do Desert View. So we, in fact, the church started with a prayer meeting in our home. Rather than a yep. Bible study, we just met to pray. Huh. And, uh, it's funny you say that. that. That's actually how our church started as well. And I, um, that is one of the things I would do again the same way in planting. I, you know, and yeah. I... And I, you're the only other person I've ever talked to, who that's how it started. Huh. Um, and what, I, what made you do that? What? Well, for me, I was, you know, we were, we had about 50 people that were all coming out of East Valley Bible Church, and they were all very well taught. There was lots of good Bible teaching, yeah. and even though I was kind of longing for some teaching reps, I just kind of thought, you know what, I'm not sure that that's what's needed. Um, good for you, Luke. because well, and and some of it was just going like, I think we just need to pray. Like I think. It, the only chance this plant's going to work is if we pray. Yeah. And then the other thing, the thing I didn't, I didn't know going into it, but I learned over the time of it was I realized, um, and th this, this is what I tell leaders. I tell church planners this. I don't think they listen to me, but they should. <laughs> um, because what I learned was you actually can tell whether people are really absorbing the vision by listening to them pray. There you go. 
you know, that's, I think a lot that, of times leaders yeah. cast vision right. and people nod their heads and go, oh, yeah, right. that's exciting. But when you hear people praying and you, and you over time see their prayers change, yes, be, you go, oh, they're getting it. Like this is actually sinking in. Look, that is and um, that is really good. Yeah, and yeah. so I I didn't know that that's what was happening as it was happening, but yeah. looking back, I go, oh, okay, that was a significant, you know, sort of a thing. So, yeah. Yeah. so men's ministry, prayer, and and making disciples would be the third one. Yeah, that was uh, the third leg of that stool was where we don't just want to gather crowds, we don't just want converts, we want people who uh, are following Jesus, and we want to equip them so they can help others follow Jesus. So yeah. we were always talking about that. There'd be testimonies where, you know, Mary and Sally would be up there, and how'd you meet Mary? I met this day. Well, we started to meet, and she helped me see who I really am in Christ. And I realized, I, I need to share this with my husband. And then he started meeting with Bob. And Bob and, and so I wanted to see the fun of that multiplying effect that, yeah. you know, the priesthood of the believer, you've, you've got, Mm. Uh, the authority and, yep. the, and the spirit and the word and don't be shy don't it's not a professional deal here yeah and so discipleship was uh and I, it was fun to know it, at desert view we probably had at least a hundred men and women that i could contact that if i said hey i've got uh this new person that needs someone to meet with them they they were ready to go wow that's you great know, that was really exciting yeah and so that's kind of led into your transition. So as you kind of wound down ministry there and you've moved into the current season, right? part of your time is spending time with guys like me and uh, the other lead pastors and talking about, you know, the scars and the lessons and the, yeah. here's what I do differently. And right. Here's how to pay attention to your wife. And Here you go. here's how to not let your junk get in the way of your leadership <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then the other part is, is with this ministry, the Bonhoeffer project, yeah. which you didn't start, but you've joined no. up with it. And that's, that's a, a, a project that's really trying to help leaders and pastors and churches kind of rediscover a heart of discipleship. Do I have that right? Oh, well said, brother. Yeah, we 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 do the cohort thing. That's kind of the the, the good word right now, which is just a small group of people. We meet for about ten months, once a month for a good three four hours, and 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 basically relook at the gospel because one of our convictions is this gospel Americana that says pray a prayer and go to heaven. Now you're good. Now the church is just a cafeteria, you know, sample takeaway. doesn't really grow a disciple. It grows a convert, but we want disciples. That's the mandate. Go make mm-hmm. disciples. So uh, we think it starts with how do you share the gospel? If you share just this transactional thing, prayer, prayer, that doesn't produce a follower. But if you share the whole gospel, and that's what I love about redemption, you guys, you love the whole story, the whole narrative yeah. of, Jesus, why did he come? Where did he come from? Why is he here? And where is he going? And so we don't have to be in a hurry to close a deal with somebody. And that was a big <laughs> change for me because I I love to close a deal. Well, sure. And yeah, I, well, uh, and and the good. I mean, the good part of like the four spiritual laws you mentioned. Yeah, is it's like here it is. It's simple. It's right. clear. Jeff, you know, with his squeaky voice on right. a Sunday morning, can take you through it, <laughs> and it kind of leads you to a little bit of a decision point. Yes. And sometimes I think maybe we've today drifted a little too much from that, where we kind of just imagine that by osmosis, everyone's just going to kind of pick oh, up our stuff. Yeah, that's And so I think there yeah. there is maybe a need at times to call people to a moment. Right. And yet what you also discovered is like, if that's all you do, you produce a pretty thin disciple. Right. Who thinks, well, all that mattered is I got my health, you know, my fire insurance from hell. And now, eh, whatever. Right. But you're you're trying to help leaders and pastors go. No, let's have a a more 
thick vision of what it looks like to create disciples. Oh, I love that. A thick vision, brother. Well, you know, and what got me was those uncomfortable invitations of Jesus. Mm. Jesus never said, hey, Neil, now let's pray. He said, why don't you take up your cross and say no to all your fleshly ambitions, and then you can follow me. <laughs> so we it, we had to package that, and, well, that's for the really committed or, for, right. you know, Luke and Sandy and Katiana, but not for everybody. Uh -huh. And I just I finally made peace. No, it's grace. Anybody can come. He always said those things of the crowds, but it was, this is going to be the greatest thing and one of the hardest things you ever do. So do you want to, you want to do it? You can come, Yeah. but you're gonna to have to say no to some stuff to say yes to me. And you know, my, the illustration that works for me, Luke, and you get as a, as an athlete, if you hire a, a training coach and you tell him now you're going to be my training coach, but I want, you to know, I also meet with two other people over here and I'm reading their the coach would be like, then forget it. Unless unless I got you, yeah. we're not going to get anywhere. And that's what Jesus is saying. It's not a threat. He's not like, this is so hard, and you're going right. to take up your cross, and you'll be miserable all your time. No, he's just saying, i got to have you if this is going to work. And, and I will make you into someone you had no idea was in there. Yeah. And that's certainly been my life experience. I mean, what, yeah. he, what he's brought out of me, I didn't even know was in there. But it was once he had all of me. Yep. And so I think that's what we're trying to say is the gospel is an invitation by grace. And that's why no one can come unless the spirit brings them, mm. you know, Jesus yep. words. I, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I think in the American evangelical movement, we, we got a lot of people that said, I chose you, Jesus. And Jesus says, yeah, but <laughs> I didn't really. choose you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I just have so appreciated that heart. And I, I think that the church in general just needs to recover that. And I love that you're infusing that into your ministry with, Thanks, uh, with us. We, we've got a lot of our pastors are kind of in their thirties and forties, not all of them, but I feel like having you just in this last year has been a real gift. Oh, and so I, I'm curious as you kind of look at that next generation of pastors, um, what encourages you? Uh, and then what are some things you go like, man, eh, this, if I had some concerns about the next generations of leadership, you know, yeah. Uh, so, so let's start with the what encourages you about kind of the the wave of leaders behind yeah, you. Yeah, their their courage to talk about all the hard issues, and I mean, it, it's so hard to be in ministry because the culture is is so divided, and there's all these reactionary things. Then you throw in social media, right, where people grab one thing you said or wrote and turn it into this issue, and so it's it. It's a it's a very vulnerable, scary time. So I admire the courage of men and women who are saying, "I'm still gonna, I'm gonna love God's church, and I'm gonna love their people, even knowing I'm gonna take some shots. I'm gonna be misunderstood." I've I've been so impressed with the courage of the people. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, uh, they they want to know, they want to grow, they want to read. They're intellectually mm. curious. Yeah. Uh, they're not you know, kind of us baby boomers were about building big stuff and they're, they're much more relationally oriented. And I think that's really healthy. Hmm. The, my concerns are just the concerns that come with the culture. You know, it's the huh. water they're swimming in. Yep. So, you know, they're, they, they've all got ADD, you know, their attention <laughs> span is like a squirrel. Yep. And, and so, uh, they, they tend to, you know, read more, uh, short little snippets and quotes then then, then linger over the great books mm. and, and the great truths and sure. linger over scripture so i what i want to do uh is create space and opportunities for guys and gals to linger over the word to learn to hear god afresh 
you know, they're, they're busy, there's demands to not always be available to turn off the electronic stuff. And, you know, mm. you can't find me right now. Yeah. Uh, if I can help uh, men and women to create those spaces where they can hear God afresh and fill their tank, mm. what are the things that fill your tank emotionally? Are you building those into your week? And yeah, that, that'd be a great joy. Uh-huh. So what's, what's fun about your ministry in redemption right now? Uh, you know, I really like redemption, Luke. I, I like the history. I like the values. I like your commitment to building communities that struggle. I, I like all the ways you get together. I like the preaching collective. I like the leaders. I just, you're, there's just some wonderful things you're doing to build that relational strength. Mm. And yet you've got this great theology that I love, the, the sovereign grace, reformed theology. I love that. Uh, so it, 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 when, when Tyler gave me the invitation, it was like, I've always kind of been jealous of you guys. Now I can get the t-shirt and be part of the team, you know? So, uh, that's, that's just fun to be part of this movement. And I just love building relationships with people in ministry and mm. coming alongside them. Yeah. And, uh, I've found a, a open heart from the men and women that I've met with. So that's, I feel like the Lord's in it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I think, uh, man, you've just been such a blessing to me. You've been a blessing to Redemption as a whole. And what I love about people getting to know you in an environment like this is is we talk a lot in Redemption about these ways that we're better together. And I think for, for kind of average people just attending and participating in the life of congregations, they're not at the preaching collectives. They're not at the leaders' meetings. They're not yeah. at the different things. Yeah. And, and, and yet, I think there's a lot of that stuff that happens upstream that they benefit from kind of downstream. Right, right. And I think you're a big piece of that. And so I think for people to get to know you a little bit and kind of understand some of that heart and realize, you know, for those of you listening, you know, your local pastors are better because of Sandy oh, and because oh, of the things that are happening in those you. kinds of environments. And so um, I just I just want to rejoice in that and, and praise the Lord for that. I'm wondering, uh, I don't know that we've uh, – closed one of these episodes this way but would you would you close us by uh just praying praying oh. for uh the people listening praying yeah. for redemption church yeah. and i'd love yeah. if you did that yeah oh lord jesus thank you thank you that you're here thank you that you love the local church and this whole redemption movement is your idea your handiwork is so evident uh we know the enemy wants to discourage this stop this movement and we just pray that you'll continue to guard and build your church here in the redemption community. Uh, thank you for what you're doing here at Gateway and Luke, the whole team. Give grace to them today. And uh, may you not be ashamed that uh, redemption claims your name. Jesus, mm. that's our hope and prayer in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, Sandy, thanks so much. And thanks you all for listening. And uh, we'll see you next time on Inside Redemption. Later. Later.